I'm recording. I am recording as well, my friend. Here comes a Sean clap. Three, two, one. Here comes a Dave clap. One, two, three. Think, nice. Uh, I didn't spike it. Man, I just can't spike. You've got a limiter on. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> yeah, that is it. I'm testing the limiter to see if it works, and it, it has eliminated my spikes. It is limiting correctly. So we're recording this on the day it'll be posted, which we don't like doing, but here we are. Look at us. It's a rarity. Mon- Monday, December 14th, and the Pfizer vaccine has been approved for distribution in the United States. Yes, it has. And this is universally good news. Correct. Agree. There is, there is no downside to this news. Um, this vaccine is incredible and positive and isn't going to make people sterile. <laughs> uh, and, and we were discussing this just a second ago before we started recording. Yeah. And I said, I'm grateful that I have a degree in science because it gives me a, a healthy respect for science, even though I'm, I'm no longer a practicing scientist. Um, I did name my company Boom Reactive. Oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah, that's my... That's oh. my nod to four years of my life spent <laughs> earning a degree in science only to make videos for a living. Well, so I put the word reactive in my name. Uh, video is science. It's a science on its own. So you are had... still in your field, my friend. Oh, they're in the other room. Uh, we used to have um, a sign in our office that said uh, Boom Reactive Labs. And it's where we like we film some like tutorial videos and stuff. That's awesome. But like we had this sign with like test tubes on it, and, like uh, blue liquid and red liquid. Dude, it was nice. do you still have one it of these? Cool. Yeah, I, I, it's in the. I brought them up the other day from my basement. Um, I'll take and, one uh, if you got a spare one. That sounds awesome. Only got the one. Uh, well, you know. However, I was really trying hard with my the studio that I had on the hill for a while. Yeah. I was trying to call it the lab. Like, to stick with the theme, like, oh, you know, I'll be at the lab, or if you guys want to meet at the lab. Yeah, people um, thought it was a meth thing. Well, it was a meth thing. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, no. <laughs> actually, the studio we had before that studio did have a meth house across the street that got raided. Oh, no. Um, but uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't convince myself to call it. Like, I would just forget. I, I, I couldn't even make it stick with myself. So. Yeah. Um, but the reason I brought this up was I wanted to say with this vaccine, with science, the process, I have a firsthand experience. I'm a published scientific author. I, whoa. What is yeah. this? And we may have, I may have talked about it on the podcast before, but I uh, participated in a study um, on the – it was a causal analysis of ectodermal – ectodermal epiboly in a gastrulating Xenopus lavis embryo. Yeah, this is the frogs thing. Yeah. I have talked about this. Yeah. Well, no, but no, the... no. I, I just know these words. Right. Ga- yeah. Gastrophobulus. Hippopotamus. <laughs> you can give all the easy ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was such a, a hassle to do things properly to publish this paper on a causal analysis of ectodermal epiboly, which is just a study in how an egg shapes itself uh, for a frog. Uh, okay. In, in like the first, you know, days of, of its uh, gastrulation, as it were. And how does it do that? Is it filled with salt water, like the ocean? Uh, no. No. We were, we were trying to see if these cells pushed themselves or if they were pulled by something as they spread along the outside oh. of what becomes, what becomes the embryo. Um, but, yeah, we... Uh, Didn't find anything. It turns no. out those were fish eggs. Man, as I think about it, I do not remember... The results of the study. <laughs> there you have <laughs> it, is, ladies and gentlemen. Which a is published... either it was pushed or pulled, and I don't, I don't know. It was one of them. Could it have been half and half? It was a push-pull. I, I did a lot with a scanning electron microscope, which is pretty Dude, cool. I always look into those. I think you're the one who actually told me about them when I got into microscopy, and then you, you showed me some images from that, and I was very jealous. Thank you. Thank you for pronouncing it properly. Oh, you're welcome. What, what do people normally say? Microscopy? <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah. Do they yeah. really? Yeah, because I, I took a class on microscopy. I was a microscopist. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, people would be like, "Oh, do you have microscopy class now?" 
No. I, Sean. No, I do not. Thank you for giving me my new way of saying it, though. Oh, no. Micro. Wait, say it again? No. Microcospy? <laughs> Microcospy? Microscopy. I can't even say it wrong now. I don't even think Good. I can say it right now. <laughs> Just don't say it again. Microscope videography. <laughs> no problems there. Oh, but it was cool. How are you, dude? Oh, I'm great. I am very... Hey, what was the whole science story about? Was it just to talk about the frogs thing? Were you leading somewhere? Did I miss it? In true Sean fashion, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah. We've talked about... I think I, w- I was just saying, for the people who are doubting the science of what's going on with the virus and the vaccine, even to th- the hoops that I had to jump through to talk about how the cells of a frog embryo move, whether they are pushed or pulled. Yeah. It was such an undertaking that took months and months and months yeah. and multiple studies for something I don't want to say is inconsequential because we probably learned something from that. Clearly, I did. It's affected me. <laughs> Every day I think about that. You only got so much room up in that big old brain of yours. Yeah, but but to be one of these people who's working on this vaccine and stuff, you've You've gone through this process a lot, and you are dedicated to it. Yeah. Uh, and it is a disservice to distrust these individuals. Well, the problem is these individuals who distrust it are saying, like, well, it just came out of nowhere. Like, they just came up with the vaccine out of nowhere, and they're just making you take it. And everyone's like, it takes two years of clinical studies before you can know what it does to you. Eh, not true. Anyways, they've also been working on it for almost a year now. And it's yeah. like— it's mandatory to get it out. People are dying. Stop complaining. Yeah. Be have happy. You noticed, have you noticed how more than a 9-11's worth of people are dying every day? Yeah. Dude, that, that is really trippy that you just said that. I know, right? Because, and I'll explain to you, we have a mutual friend named Sean. And not you, Sean, a different Sean. This Sean is Sean Kirkland. And Sean Kirkland recently told me that basically anytime he looks at a clock... It says 9-11. It is always 9-11. He says it's a phenomenon between him and his, uh, I think he said him and his wife or girlfriend. And I apologize, Sean. I forget which one. But they always see it as 9-11. Well, I, I do want to clarify. Sean is married yeah, okay. to, his, to, his, to his wife, okay. Madeline. And if you just outed him <laughs> on an affair. <laughs> a, okay. I forgot if it was Madeline or Tiffany. Did you say his, Jennifer? His wife or his girlfriend. So- <laughs> <laughs> or which one of his I girlfriends. Said, it was. It's his wife. And, and her name is Ma- – well, he just referred to her as Madeline. And I forgot to ask if he was married or not. Didn't check the finger for a ring. Didn't make assumptions, but okay. He did say Madeline, but anytime he looked at a clock, it was 9-11. And after he told me this, anytime I look at the clock, it says 9-11. So I always take a photo and send it to him. So it's funny that you just said 9-11, you know? I mean, at what are the chances? What At 204, you said 9-11. <laughs> Everyone crazy. knows 9 times 2 minus 11 plus 4 equals 9-11. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Jim carrying this. You're going to need some this. red yarn and a cork board. <laughs> <laughs> Someone call Joel Schumacher because I am losing my marbles. Have you ever heard of reticular activation? No. I'm trying to put the words together of what that could mean. And I don't, it, I don't know. You just described it. So it's just picking up patterns. And once you notice a pattern, you're always going to see it and you're looking for it. Once you've noticed that you notice it, mm-hmm. you see it more often. So it's not that you look at the clock a, a disproportionate amount of times at 9-11. What's happening is you look at the clock a lot, but most of the time you don't care. But when yeah. it's 9-11, you're like, whoa. There's significance to it. Whoa, I'm remembering this particular time. It's the same thing where if you're like, you know what? I haven't seen any Teslas driving around. And then you start seeing them. Reticular activation. Reticular activation. All right. See, this is why this show is great. We learned things. Learned about and, frogs. We learned about fish eggs. And reticular activation is like the whole uh, foundation of affirmations and visualizations. So like if you want to be successful, if you want to be peaceful. Yeah. If you remind yourself through meditation or you know whatever of like, hey – I want to feel a certain way. If you pause and put yourself in that place, you start to find that place 
more easily and more often. Um, mm. But it's the same way if you want to start saying, hey, I keep seeing the clock when it says 555. Five, five, yeah. You're going to see that. For me, I, I look at it at 1234. Yeah, oh, what's the 1234? What's that significant for? Nothing. It's just 1234. Oh. But I feel like a lot of times I see the clock at 1234. Whoa. Do you ever for wonder while, where's five? See, <laughs> if you expand, if you expand the seconds, right before it turns to one, two, three, five. Oh my God! It's one, two, three, three four, four, five, six, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, and actually, at that point, you can split a second into those decimals. Yeah. And you could do fifty-six seconds point seven eight nine. Oh my Because you're not goodness. you're not in a base sixty system anymore at that point. Yeah. Good lord, dude! Look at that science degree. So, so, so with with the cold open, <laughs> I've been listening to these episodes differently and trying to think of like you know when do I put the theme music in? Yeah, and that would have been a good spot right there. But I wonder through this whole intro, this eleven minutes, at what point did I choose to put, to put the song in? To put the song in, it's a it's a joke on its own now, which I love. It's a creative uh, choice that you get to make every episode, and that's fantastic. It's 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 a it's a freebie. It's a punchline creator. Yeah, where you can take something that's not funny and play the music, <laughs> and then it's funny. That's very true. So I noticed that on the last episode, you put it right after my joke. So what's that saying? Joke wasn't funny. Or you can't <laughs> ignore such a great opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, David. See what Good. I did there? I'm learning. Yeah. yeah. I thought I, whenever we got on this call, I was going to do that and go, hi, Sean. Like from my YouTube from videos? From YouTube videos. I mean, if you're going to do it, technically I say, hey. No, you don't. Hi. Yeah. Do you hey, say, hey? Sean. I yeah. hear hi. See, and you also <laughs> hear microscopy, which is right. So Ret- I'm not here to tell you Reticular animation. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Automation, reticular, reciprocating reciprocated animations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> reticular anthropology. These are all words that I know. Stops there. Buck stops there. Chapter 11. Oh, wait. <laughs> I'm not ready. Sean, Okay. Hold no, on. I'm saying I'm saying I'm declaring bankruptcy. Oh, bacro- <laughs> bankroscopy. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you hadn't stumbled. I on know. That. I was so upset. That's I got good. That's it. A came good in one. my head, and it was one of those things where I got so excited, I didn't give myself time to process it, and I had to shoot it out. And you know, you're supposed to have three seconds before you say it. That was about two and a half. I should have let myself have the full three, and I didn't. You had the full three after you said it wrong once. I did, and then I got it right. And then you nailed it. And then I nailed it. Bankroscopy. Ah, that's good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. When we last left the boys, uh, they had gotten a call from Chief Colleg after um, some sleuthing with some cheesecloth in the lab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a good old um, Steve door. Yeah, and they, 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 uh, Steve Dorr calls himself Alf was the cliffhanger, which brings us to chapter 11. Did you like that? That's different than we've ever done it. Yeah, did you get the reference? Uh, it was a Midnight Rambler. Oh, that's so close, Sean. It's okay. I got it lined. Here you go. You can't hear this, can you? Midnight Rider. Yeah. Could you hear yeah. it? Yeah, and now we have copyright infringement on our podcast. <laughs> no, we don't because it's in my headphones, <laughs> <laughs> which completely killed the whole thing that I lined up. I was going to. Oh, no, you man. can sort of hear it. Yeah, I'm going to let him catch the, the midnight caller. That's good. Yeah, I was happy about it. And wow, what a fail. 
<laughs> well, we're learning. We're learning for next time. We are. It's hard to do this over, uh, what is this thing called? StreamYard. Even though, great platform. It's not the platform's fault. It's the, it's the headphones. It's the headphones. That's what I've been saying for years, Sean. And I'll say, uh, coming up at the end of this season, we're going to do a live Jeopardy Hardy Boys trivia. Oh, yeah, baby. And Kamish uh, sent me some audio stingers. Ooh. He just sent me like eight or nine v- recordings of his voice saying something. Yeah. And it's, and it's hilarious. Like, they're these little beats. <laughs> I don't quite yet know how to incorporate them, but the other thing is I don't know how to get them where I can play them for you. Yeah. Like in in that moment where it would enhance a punchline, but also have it go into the podcast properly. So I'm going to have to do a little bit of research. Okay, like a little soundboard. Yeah, it's similar to your song just then, like you if you can't play it in the room cuz you're wearing headphones, I don't yeah. just want to like hold it up to the microphone. Yeah. So I got to figure this out, but it's not going to be easy. <laughs> but we got some good stuff coming. Oh, I cannot wait to hear this. Well, um, chapter as a disclaimer. 11. Yes, yeah, Dis- chapter 11, Disclaim. Midnight Caller. Um we sort of have we're contra- contractually obligated um to say this chapter is brought to you by Yokohama Radios. <laughs> Yokohama, is that Japanese? It is Japanese. And man, are they great radios. They a little are. expensive, but worth it. Yes, yes. All the bells and whistles. All the bells and whistles. And they are frequently stolen, but only in a small batch. You yes. see one box here or there because no one can afford them. That is well, sp- Yomahama. What is it called again? Yokohama. I was so close. You were. Yeah. I was just winging you went it too. Yamaha. I did go Yamaha. I just said Yamaha really fine. weird, too. It's fine. <laughs> I said it like, like almost with a Jamaican accent. <laughs> Which is not something people do. No. No, not normal people. Like, sometimes people say, like, oh, I'll, I'll have an enchilada. Really? And it's like, whoa, you have a Mexican accent for that Mexican word. Interesting. Yeah, that's how I am with horchata. I'll usually say, can I get a horchata? Horchata, can yeah. Can I get a horchata? But here you said... Yamaha with a Jamaican accent, which I don't think is anyone's reflex. It's not. No. No. Oh, save me. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so this uh, this chapter begins with the pliable nature of the Hardy's detective work. Yes. It, it's, it's... it shows the shallowness of their research uh, and the, the hunchiness of their unreliability. Well said. Thank you. You're welcome. Want to bring us into it? Alf Lumberg, a thief, Frank exclaimed. I can't believe it. We'll be right down. I'm going to stop you right here. Yeah. Why can't you believe it, Frank? This is a a drifter you met. From Shantytown. Spoiler alert. We find out on the next page that he has a record. Not just that. He does a pretty threatening thing, like, seconds later. Yeah. Like, this, this is man a, doesn't sound like a good dude. This is a bad horse to which uh, to tie your cart. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I never if trust gonna, the man with the harmonica. you're going to your own reputation out there. Yeah. No, <laughs> this is not the guy to say, I can't believe it, a thief. <laughs> that old Alf. This drifter who got in a fist fight. <laughs> yeah, the first night we met him. This he has 30-year-old who hangs out with 17-year-old boys. This guy whose name is Alf, but he's a Steve Dor. <laughs> yeah. Something's not adding Last up. name, very close to Dolph's. I mean, this is not a man you want to trust. A man who almost killed Carl Weathers in Rocky IV. I say yeah. almost, but he was killed, but... It wasn't him who did it. It was Dolph. But Alf is pretty close. They're like relatives. So, you know, there's, I'm there's sure a little bit cousins. of a tie. They're definitely cousins. We'll be right down, Chief Cog. So they go there. Um, still on the way, Joe, I don't buy it, Joe said flatly as they started out. What's the pitch? What's the pitch? Come on, Joe. So they go into this just incredulous. Yeah. That this drifter of a man... Could have done anything yeah. below board. 
Which is great. And this is, it's actually coming to some of my favorite stuff. I find this next page hysterical. Yeah. I'm getting, like, this is the same thing in a lot of ways as, like, what? Hobo Johnny stole something? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He did. He bought all those crowbars. With he all that saved up money. Don't, don't be lying to me. <laughs> he invested in crowbars, <laughs> I'll have you know. It was to inflate the stock market. He was starting his own index fund. And he's like, hey, if I just buy a bunch of crowbars, then the price of crowbars are going to go up. And I'll just buy a bunch of tools. I'm buying crowbar futures, baby. <laughs> uh, over the intercom. Oh, sorry. I'm skipping ahead here. So they get there. Yeah. And... Uh, and Frank's like, hey, it's uh, if it wasn't for Alf, Sutton would have uh, cracked my skull with that blackjack. Um, and so he's like, okay, well, I'll bring, I'll bring out Alf. Um, I don't believe Alf's a thief, Frank said again. But he does have a record for petty theft and disturbing the peace, Chief Colleague said soberly. That makes it look bad for him. <laughs> it yeah. certainly does. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> Seeing as he is... A thief. Yeah. But who's not going to believe that? Two young boys. Yeah, but petty or otherwise, theft. How long ago was that? Joe asked. Alf's last brush with the law was five years ago, Colleg replied. He claims he was just a wild kid at the time. Five years ago? How old is he now? Yeah, I assumed this guy was... uh, At least in his 30s, right? Or mid-20s. Yeah, and at this time, you were considered an adult at 14. Yeah. Like, that's when you were expected to own a house and have a farm. Yeah, and you already had three six-year-olds. <laughs> so everyone had triplets. I think that's Usually how it on your second wife by then. Yeah, definitely on your second wife. <laughs> You've already been in a war of some kind. Yeah, maybe two. Maybe two, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... The door opened and Alf stood out in the threshold. His giant frame almost hid the sergeant behind him, which I now understand where Stephen King got the idea for John Coffee and the Green Mile. It's 100% Alf. Come on. No doubt about it. Did you know that in the Green Mile, do you know who they tried to cast for that originally? Over Michael Clark Duncan? Yeah. Was it Alf the space alien? No. It was Dolph Lundgren. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, what a weird movie that would have been. Like any time, you know, the Green Mile where after he takes like their their poison or whatever evil's in their body, opens up his mouth and all those flies or whatever that evil is shoots out of his mouth. If Dolph was in it, the minute that came out, there would have been some jump kicks, some spinning jump kicks of Dolph just kicking some of that evils behind it'd be a great yeah. one-liner too i don't know what it would be but it'd be something on the lines of like you know fly away yeah. or i don't know i don't got a good yeah. one-liner but it's not it's you know <laughs> it's fine he would say one-liner yeah he'd be like you know mm, and Damn. like nail it yeah uh. he'd like really land it yeah he got yeah that's what it would be <laughs> Uh, so yeah out comes john coffee and when the- tell the chief i didn't take it take what alf i feel like they're saying alf's name too much yeah they do say alf a lot actually now that i look through this i didn't notice this but now through you know what, what we learned today re, re hi hi re what's the clock thing again um Retrocroscopy. (laughs) Through retrocroscopy, I am starting to notice all the elves now as I'm scanning through this. Good lord! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's everywhere. You have to identify him as a character, but the fact that Frank and Joe keep being like, "Well, Alf here, right? Alf? Yeah. Alf. Alf was there. Alf. Like he knows his name, guys. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um." So the police found a transistor radio in my knapsack, the big man explained. So even the narrator's tired of calling him <laughs> Maybe the narrator forgot his name. 
He used it so much, he just forgot it. So now it's going to be bud, buddy, guy, big guy, chief, chief friends, little man. man. with a loud voice. <laughs> the police found a transistor radio in my knapsack, the big man explained, but I didn't put it there. Sutton reported it stolen, the officer said. We sent out Lieutenant Daly to investigate, and he found it in Dolph Lundgren's bag. <laughs> is Lieutenant Daly still here, Frank asked. I, I underlined Lieutenant Daly. This is a new officer for us. It is, and I wonder we've, if we'll be— We've met some of the Coast Guardsmen. Yeah. We've met Con Riley. We have. Smuff. Uh, haven't seen Oscar Smuff yeah. in a little while. Um, we've got colleague, but yeah, this is uh, this is a new character to put into the canon. Detective, yeah, Lieutenant Daly. Daly, yeah, LD, LTD. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I a know lot. you did. That's I, good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I was gonna try and make some kind of joke about Daily, as in like the Daily Times or something related to a newspaper, but I don't have anything. But just know that's well, what I goes on in my your head. Honesty. Yeah, <laughs> it's better than a butcher candor. joke, right? What'd you just say? Rappled candle? Yep. Rap what? Rapscallion? Lieutenant Daly, Frank said. When were you hunting for the radio? when you were hunting for the radio, who suggested that you look in Alf's knapsack? Okay, which this is my favorite thing about this chapter in general. Is that in come these boys to a police station to police the police. Yeah. And that they're, is so they're awesome. the show. It's not who watches the watchmen, it's it's who watches the Hardy Boys. I mean, these dudes are above the law. This is, this is like uh, when, when the FBI comes in. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, the agents yeah. in, uh, in the Matrix. I knew it was going to be a Matrix like, thing. <laughs> that whole like, and if you give me any of that jurist my diction, you can. <laughs> <laughs> that line right there, like this is the Hardy Boys coming onto the scene and like, we'll take it from here. Yeah. <laughs> They pull out their badges, but they're not badges. They're actually baggies with sandwiches. And, you know, that's like. (laughs) And a shattered bottle of fizzle soda. (laughs) You know, when you're a kid, (laughs) when you're a kid and you don't want crust on your sandwich, your parents would buy you those uh, pattern makers where you put it over your sandwich and it was like this metal device and you press down on it. And it's like a cookie cutter, but for your sandwiches. I have one that uh, makes it a one-eyed monster, and then you crack an egg in the hole that it makes for the eye, and oh you make my that, uh, God. That make is... that toast with the egg in the monster's eye. Yeah, I want that, first of all. You'll have to send me a link to that. But I imagine they have one that's a police badge, and their mom takes it for their chicken sandwiches and pushes it in and makes these chicken sandwich police badges. <laughs> but then any time they go to the police, they're just like, it's all right. I'm an officer. <laughs> it's just gravy on their hand. <laughs> Excuse us. <laughs> There's always one that's half eaten, and they're just like, Chet! So who, who asked you to – who suggested you look in Alf's knapsack? Sutton. Frank nodded. It looks like a plant, Chief. Morley! Wait, that – that was enough to say it looked like a plant? <laughs> so uh, when I read it looks like a plant, Chief, my mind went immediately to airplane humor where he just said, it looks like a plant, Chief. And it goes to a wide shot, and there's a potted plant in a windowsill. And oh, Morley there is it there is. watering it. Yeah. <laughs> Harold Morley from the Hamlin Company. Yeah, him and his potted plant. But yeah, it looks like a plant, Chief. Sure it is, Joe declared. Al scared Sutton off when he attacked Frank. He probably planted the radio to get even. What? That's. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> let it go. That's right. That's just what I told him, Alf boomed. <laughs> Thanks for sticking by me, fellas. I'll get Sutton. Oh, my okay. – that's my favorite line. He's like, all right, thanks, boys. Listen, I'm not a criminal. Now let me go so I can go murder Sutton. <laughs> <laughs> to which uh, the chief does say, hold on there. You'll be back here for assault if you try that. Thank you, chief. And, uh, and Joe's like, if you want assault, we've got some assault and some pepper for our batches. <laughs> I love that Frank just got super Italian in this moment. <laughs> you want to have some assault, eh? You should have asked. Uh. Is uh, my meatball bad? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. 
Man, that's not an Italian accent. <laughs> it, I don't know where wasn't. I went there. It, you it know was, what I need to do? Huh? I need to take our class. Sean, yes. Just uh, to freshen up on my accent work. It's not a bad idea. And uh, the class is open, ladies and gentlemen, and it's still priced at the great price of two easy payments of $99.99 with, of course, a tax. You know, you're always taxed, and it's a four cent tax. Yeah. And that doesn't go to our pocket. No, not at all. No. Tax goes right to Uncle Sam, it goes directly to the church. Just just like a great church, that's our tithing plate. And we just put it right back into, you know, into this. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. Yes. Mm. I have ah. noticed as I'm, reading, as I'm reading books to, uh, to Luca, it is difficult for me to have a lot of different voices. Really? Yeah. Because, like, I'll be reading a book where there's, like, four animals that are having some discussion. Yeah. And, like, these, these books build slow. Like, there's one right now. Uh, it's called, like, The Winter Storm or something like that. And this badger shovels snow away from his house. And then he's like, I'll go help Mouse shovel his snow. And uh, all along the way, he, he runs into Rabbit. And then they run into Beaver and Duck. And I've got this these characters who I'm trying to do Badger's voice and, and Mouse's voice and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's good. And I realize, like, once you add a fourth, it's just another one of the first three voices. I don't have that kind of range. I'm giving Ooh. people, like, thick English accents and then... So that's the way to do it. And then trying to go with the, with my Bronx accent, but that's <laughs> that's the two. And then I do, like, my take on a, a higher-pitched feminine voice, yeah. and I'm cashed. That's it. That's everything. Oh. That's all I got. Well, you could take our course and I can help you out. I've got a yeah, bunch I of know. voices. This is what I need to do. I mean, you could just do this one. I mean, that's a hot pitch voice. And then you could do the same voice, but more like this. It's the classic voice I like to do. And that's two high pitches there. But then you can throw an accent onto it. Well, so much like this. Where, it can, where it's, it's not really an accent, I guess, but it goes from high to low. It's almost like Fat Albert. Hey, hey, hey. You know. Also, <laughs> right at the beginning of that, you did a voice, and then you said, and you can do the same voice, and then you did a different voice. <laughs> That's just how versatile I am. When I try to do the same voice, I can't hit it. I just got too many. Oh. As you learned from our last episode with the country caller. Um, I think it's going to be in our best interest to take a break. Yes. Because we're about to get into uh, the juicy into some transistor radio porn. <laughs> So let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, Yokohama Radios. (laughs) And we're back. And we are back. What a terrific ad for Yokohama Super X, which is a fantastic radio. It has FM, AM, two uh, transitors. Yeah, I it's tried got nickel up, and ivory case. That it does. I tried looking up radio reviews on Amazon real quick to throw off some technical jargon. How'd that work? Uh, not well. <laughs> At all. Like, none of these are good reviews. I really don't like digital radios. I'd rather have a few knobs to turn on instead of dozens of buttons to press. That's not... And they give this a five-star review, and that they're complaining about that. It's still a five-star thing. Clearly, there's a prize involved. You get a free radio if you give them five stars. There's a, a podcast hosted by uh, Jeffrey James and Riley Anspa, Jeffrey of Jeffrey the Dumbass. That's what I figured, yeah. And their podcast is called Review Review. <laughs> the, uh, the second <laughs> review right. is R-E-V-U-E. R-E-V-U-E. Like, a, like an old theater sort of like show no i didn't know that that's a review no never even knew that oh that's interesting um but they do improv based on reviews that people leave for things and so like an episode will be (laughs) like for example like a transistor radios and they will go through and read reviews yeah of transits but then put themselves into the mind of somebody who would give it five stars but hate it And why is this person this way? Oh, that is perfect. That is modern times. They nailed it. Um, yeah. So, uh, so they're they're talking about you know. Let's see. Is uh, 
Is this the stolen property? Take a look, the chief invited. Japanese make, says says Frank. Yokohama Super X. Let's, Let's see, Joe yeah. requested. He gave a low whistle as his brother passed it to him. What a little beauty. Brand new, too. Woo, look at that nickel and dime ivory case. Is nickel a nice metal? No. Like Something can be nickel-plated, but that doesn't... No, I, I'm actually pretty sure gold is the most expensive because it's the rarest to find, but silver is the best. Yeah, or like aluminum or stainless steel. Yeah, but nickel and ivory? <laughs> That just means that they had to kill an elephant uh, dude, to make yeah, this radio. Which is awesome. I get it. <laughs> so look at this nice alligator leather <laughs> and ivory case. <laughs> this, this baby penguin suede. <laughs> Have you heard it? Yeah, the audio really is snappy. Oh. Yeah, thank you. Thank Ooh. you. What are you drinking, Snapple? <laughs> hey. <laughs> it's an expensive, rare set. Lieutenant Daly commented. Not many people can afford one, except probably the narrator. <laughs> this is definitely where, where the narrator image. just bought way too expensive of a radio, and his wife is chastising him. Sheila is upset that he spent so much money on this transistor, and he's now... Writing into the book, like, we'll we'll show her. Yeah. It's a nice radio. Not everyone can afford one. It's Japanese, too. Most people right now during the current climate wouldn't buy Japanese, but I am. It shows that I'm progressive. I'm better than you, Sheila. It's a Japanese radio with African elephant tusk <laughs> ivory. <laughs> it's very cultural. <laughs> Thank you. I'm an international man of mystery. <laughs> At some point, yeah, we that. just changed the narrator's voice. Does not sound like that. Is not the sound of Franklin's voice. No, I don't know we what went, happened to him. We took a turn there. He's Sheila. Yeah, I've been listening <laughs> to this radio for fourteen years, and the reason is because I spent the money for a quality product up front. <laughs> because Sheila, the bitterness of of <laughs> oh, come on, the sweetness yeah. of. Of high quality, far outlasts. No, dang it. What is the bitterness of low quality far outlasts the sweetness of low price? Ooh, you got it. Also, there it is. Sean stumbled across that finish line. Sheila, this also has an antenna made from the biggest elephants of Africa. It's a full (laughs) tusk, it's a Flintstones antenna. I just imagine the the if it was a vinyl player, a record player, it's just a parrot or some sort of bird, maybe a, a woodpecker, <laughs> and yeah, it's just on this lever that turns, and then its beak hits it, and then you start getting your vibrations, and yeah, the antenna is this giant tusk or perhaps just a, an elephant's actual schnoz. See, after this whole thing, he's like, "That's why I bought the expensive transistor radio." Yeah. She would be like, Frank, this is an electric can opener. <laughs> I can't tell with music these days. The kids listen to crap. I just thought crap. it was a lot of static. <laughs> I really like that. I was listening that to a show hot new where song. the host said, eh. I really like that new song. Peaches. <laughs> Hand me that album of green beans. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, so I'm trying to see if there were any other details like this uh, about the uh, at the old radio. Thing. Yeah, but so they they catch uh, they catch colleague up on their theory of. Um, Sutton is tied in with the big bald guy. They saw them talking, uh, at Shantytown, the big bald guy rented the black cat with 
Ben Stark. Ben Stark was talking to Sutton. Sorry, not the big bald guy. But Ben Stark and the big bald guy rented the boat together. Big bald guy bought the postcards <laughs> okay, hold on. from can, Chet and Biff. Can so, you do this play-by-play as John Madden? I don't know anything about John Madden. John Madden here. I can't do a John Madden. I'm just like, okay, play-by-play. Big bald guy, Ben Stark. He goes down, does a zigzag. I can't do a John Madden, but it's it's like that. Yeah, I, I okay. The no, whole time you're doing this, it sounds like it should be said by John Madden. Thank you. I feel like all Hardy Boys recaps should be done by John Madden. Perhaps we'll get him as a guest. No harm in asking. I'll no harm in asking. Thank you. So you think it's just John Madden one at gmail.com? <laughs> Knowing the old timers, they always still have like SBC Global or oh, at AOL. <laughs> you know? J Madden one yeah. at, at Hotmail. <laughs> It's, I, it's like I didn't even know those servers still existed. I figure that email would just be gone. It's like everyone's MySpace. It's just done. I, I had an email like uh, earlier this year um, from somebody who was like, you can uh, send it to me at whatever at hotmail.com. And I was like, <laughs> yes. Good yes, for you. That's vintage. Yeah, good for him. But sorry, I interrupted uh, you. There's the whole So I'm just saying they, they caught Chief Colleague up. On, on their theory that uh, Chet and Biff's disappearance is tied to the bank robbery, um, is tied to Sutton. Like, it's all one big thing. There's only one crime happening. Yeah. Um, and it looks like that Sutton could have had the, the radio already stolen because he's involved in some some bigger thievery. Yes. Um, Which and after, then after saying all that, yeah, hit me. we get one of the great lines of... <laughs> As Lieutenant Daly stared at the Hardys in amazement, Frank replied, You're right, Chief, but we have no solid evidence yet to back up our hunch. And that's the theme of the Hardy Boys. Yeah. Uh, and I also loved that Lieutenant Daly stared at them in amazement. Sean, <laughs> when was the last time you stared at a teenager in amazement? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a great question. I've never once stared at anyone in their 20s in amazement at – well, I'm even rounding up to 20s. Never yeah, I, would I, I think, stare at someone amazed. I feel like there's people in their early 20s that I've worked with who have, like, made some mistake on set where I'm just, like, slack-jawed, like, really? Yeah. It's not It's not a uh, a flattering amazement. It's more of like I am dumbfounded, which is yeah. a subcategory of <laughs> amazement. Is that what uh, they meant by this? Was Lieutenant looking at them dumbfounded, or was he amazed at their capabilities as detectives? I'm going to guess that he was amazed because it seems that everyone in these books is just on board yeah. with these teenagers being the smartest people they know. I have to agree with you. Even though their boat gets stolen about every six weeks. <laughs> I got to say, just, that is amazing. It's a, <laughs> I am amazed <laughs> that their boat continues to be stolen. Their six dad's times kidnapped a month. <laughs> quarterly, yeah. their dad gets kidnapped. I, at that point, I would treat dad like a dog. Dad would be on a leash. Okay, dad would have... <laughs> just a long rope. <laughs> yeah. All right, dad, you can go out in the yard for five minutes. Go do your business. Dad goes out with the newspaper, gets his business done, but he comes right back in the house. He's tied up, got can't the, go anywhere. They're sitting inside with the rope, and the rope goes slack, and they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> Dad got Dad out again. Dad slipped his leash. <laughs> the neighbors bring him back, and they're like, hey, is this your dad? <laughs> we found this with its ear in, in our garden. <laughs> you thirsty, Dad? We found this pirate pressing his ear to the ground in our yard. He kept trying to take off his clothes. You know, you put clothes on a dog, and they always try to take it off because they're just—they're very uncomfortable in it. Yeah, I do know that. Yeah, that's that's Fenton Hardy. That's. Uh, so they go home. They go home. They let themselves in quietly. They go to bed and fell asleep at once, which I don't understand that expression. By the way, like something happened at once. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it doesn't make sense. At um, once. Huh. Instantly, uh, so someone's at the door. There's a soft knocking. Uh, 
Sometime later, Joe was awakened by a noise. He sat up, listening. It came again. <laughs> it came again, a soft knocking. I love the sat up listening, Sean. Because in my head, his pillow is still attached to his his ear. So when he comes up, it's like this. To our, I don't know. It's almost like he's listening. To, I don't know why I see that image. I just do. And it makes me laugh. See, I see the opposite of why would Frank sit up to listen better? It seems that his his instinct... <laughs> is to put his head down to listen better. That's very true. You're not wrong. Uh, it was a soft knocking. It came again. Frank, he whispered, shaking his brother. Someone's at the front door. <laughs> now, here's, here's where we haven't had a discussion like this in a while, and I don't want to get too deep into it. But for all the stage direction that we get with these boys, Frank set up. Yeah. That was the last thing we were told. And then he... He was shaking his brother. And I'm wondering, how far apart were they? (laughs) (laughs) If you're... I would have liked them to have said, like, Joe walked across the room and shook his brother. (laughs) Just give us some physical... Unless Frank... Is it Frank doing the, the waking up... Unless Frank had really long Sagat style arms. Is <laughs> it Sagat? Or who is it from Street Fighter? Dalsim. Dalsim, thank you. We've talked about this previously, but maybe he just has those giant long arms. Yeah. And he could just hope. reach across and tickle his brother. Which is why Lieutenant Daly was staring amazed. <laughs> amazing. Frank had an itch and just sort of long <laughs> extended that arm up and around. <laughs> His arms are the only thing that can go toe-to-toe with Biff's legs. <laughs> just spider-like <laughs> just arms. Them racing. It's like these long, still arms versus these long <laughs> when they When they do chicken fights and the two of them team up in a pool, unstoppable. <laughs> it gets on Biff's shoulders. It's over. <laughs> Oh, Sean, they killed the, the chicken. They're like Pacific Rim, if that ever happens. That's what they would call in to fight these giant monsters is, is Biff and Frank doing a chicken. Frank on Biff's shoulders. <laughs> I love that. I so love so they, that. they go down... Uh, the the knocking on the door begins again. Gentle knocking, which is strange for the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. It's strange this, this at no matter what time of the day of gentle knocking. See, I would disagree. I prefer the gentle knock because when Luca is taking a nap, I don't want somebody pounding on that door. The- and right now, this is this is package season. Uh, this, is, this is gifts coming and yeah. going. And, man, yeah. eight times a day. Knock, knock, knock. My guy Do doesn't, gently. he doesn't knock for me. I actually get just texts from the drivers saying like, hey, I put your package on the doorstep. And I'm always like, thanks, man. That was cool of you. Thank you for texting nice. me. They're always really nice texts too. One time I had to text someone. It was like a Sunday and it was a, I forget what holiday it was, but I said, they got you working today? And uh, I didn't get a reply, but I was, <laughs> I sent an angry email for him, or not email, but it's angry text for him of just saying like, I feel bad that you have to work today. That's bull. But thank you for the see, package. See, but the problem was, if you complained to somebody, you probably talked to customer service and made them have to work on a on holiday. On a holiday as well. There's just yeah, no you're winning. Problem, you're right. Ah, uh, well, you're not wrong. Well, there. who's at the door? Hello. But a worried-looking, tall, thin man. Uh-oh. Mr. French, cried Joe in surprise. Now, Mr. French, if you'll recall, is the proprietor of the costume shop who was threatened in that weird conversation in the beginning of the book. Yeah, that very odd conversation. You, you, you you're not, you're here? He stammered incoherent, incon- incoherently. Yes, of course we are, Frank responded. Why are you so surprised to see us? Why, uh, I'm terribly sorry, boys. You were just gentle knocking. Why are you shouting now? 
Mr. French looked nervously over his shoulder. I, I, I see I've come to the wrong street. Looking for High Avenue, and, and this must be High Street. So, so sorry. Good night. That was a great Mr. French. Thank I like you. That. Thank you. My did him as American, too. You know, I didn't do the standard, like, the, the. You know, the standard well, French. Well, as we said, Mr. French is from El Paso. <laughs> is that really? Did we say that, or is that the book? No, I'm just, I'm doing that now. Okay, because that's good. Just, I do like I'm just that. just doing a thing. Yeah, it's a good bet. Uh, yeah, so uh, the tall man hurries down the steps to a car at the curb and drove away. Joe turned to his brother. There isn't any high avenue in Bayport. <laughs> yeah. Mr. French must know that. He's been in business here for years. Then uh, Aunt Gertrude and, and their mother come to the steps and ask what it was about. But I like this scene. I like this scene because this is one that I do not know. I, I have no predictions for why he was there. Was he coming looking for help from Fenton? Yeah. It seemed like if it was the cry for help, which again... He had an opportunity to talk to the boys, and the boys were like, hey, we'll talk to Mr. French tomorrow about it before everything went went awry. Like, there's so many opportunities for them to talk if they can do it honestly. Yeah. And uh, this was another one that Mr. French showed up for and uh, then scurried away. So, I, I agree I'm, with I'm you. I'm genuinely there's, perplexed. There is a good mystery set up here, the the gentle knocking. the uh, When he says, you're here, he – I guess imagined either one they weren't related to fenton or two that i don't know it doesn't yeah. make sense what could I'm, he mean I'm by this excited for this better resolve actually because if they just <laughs> never come back to this and like we solve the case and yeah the, mr french is completely you know ineffective i i might be out for the rest of the series yeah. that, that will end the podcast <laughs> This is this would be the largest flower pot to balance yeah. on the windowsill yeah. and not return to. I'm with you on that. This is a very odd scene. It's almost like a Ken Blake showing up with a broken bicycle or a missing yeah. pedal or whatnot. I don't remember if it got paid off or not. And if it did, it clearly wasn't uh, a good enough payoff because I've already forgotten. Yeah, they uh, somebody borrowed Ken's bicycle. Must have taken it out from underneath the thing. Was that how it was described? Yeah. That's how it was wrapped yeah, up. Ken Ken was innocent. He was innocent the whole time. Look yeah. That. I'm confused. I don't even remember which one was in the original and which one was in the rewrite because they're two separate books with the same well, title. The, re the rewrite was that orphan boy that wasn't allowed to leave Doc's oh, kid. Oh, that's Lester? right. Lester. Yeah. Was it Lester? Yeah. Yeah. Good memory, dude. Good Lord. <laughs> Again, every time I have a good memory like that, I'm like, I wonder what detail about my son's life I'm missing. <laughs> I wonder I wonder what I haven't remembered about my son yeah. because I'm remembering Harold Morley of the <laughs> Hamlin Company. <laughs> yeah, oh, Dad, you forgot so my birthday. True. You yeah. know who didn't forget? Harold Morley of the Hamlin Company. <laughs> or Doc's adopted son, <laughs> Lester. <laughs> You know, he fell into the mill race. Joe saved him after going out literally on that limb. Oh, the only thing I remember is Chet's dad was fishing one time. And he was looking for a Lulu. I just wish that that was a standalone sentence. Is the, <laughs> the only thing I remember at all is that Chet's dad was fishing one time. It is a bit of a standalone sentence, my friend. Uh, so, okay, Gertrude if, is all freaking out. What if we take the COVID vaccine and it wipes our memory and all we remember is two details from the Hardy Boys series? And mine is... That Chet's could happen. They haven't tested against <laughs> that, David. We that should, could happen. We should call up Pfizer and ask them, what are the chances that this wipes our brains... To where we only remember very odd sequences from the Hardy Boys books. From a juvenile detective series rewritten in the 60s. And they would be like, are you currently reading these books? Wait, how old are you? And we'd be like, it's not the question. <laughs> I'm going to get someone else on the phone. <laughs> Can I speak to your manager, please? And then, um, oh, I, have a fr I have a friend who works for Pfizer. Do you really? I do. 
can we get them on the phone? I will see if we can get them on the phone. We should definitely ask the questions that are on the back of everyone's minds. We'll do the whole uh, opening, the whole cold open. We'll be explaining the vaccine and why people shouldn't take it. And asking why they think frog embryos cells spread the way that they do. And whether they push or pull. Indeed. Yes, indeed. And if they don't say, you know, I did a paper on it and I forget, then I'm not going to trust them. Then no vaccine for me, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) There is no right answer, okay? It's like quantum physics, man. It's Schrodinger's cat. In one world, it pulled. In one world, it pushed. It is hard to tell because... All we had to do, we we cut the cells in half and then looked at them, and we could see, like, if they were squished. But we had to freeze it in time because it was a scanning electron microscope. We couldn't watch it. So we had to do a whole bunch of them and then cut them, prepare them, which took a few days, and then look at this, you know, snapshot in time and look at these squished cells and say, like, hey, are they – do they look like they're being pulled or do they look like they're pushing? <laughs> that's what uh, that's what we were dealing with. And they're like, bring over Ronnie. And you bring over Ronnie and someone pushes him. He's like, ow. Oh. And then you pull him towards you. And you're like, I just can't <laughs> tell. And that's science. That's called conducting an experiment. Scientific method. Yes. Ever heard of it? Heard of it. Like we, we didn't sync up, but it's okay. It was close. It's fine. It's I the lag. It's the latency. Oh. <sighs> Well, this chapter ends with it. So they go to town and start asking around at all the different shops, and nobody sells the Yokohama Super X uh, until they find a shop that does. Yes, of course. Uh, but That's a they given. don't sell many, and they said they haven't sold any, uh, any lately. But a shipment did get stolen. A whole crate of them got stolen, and they haven't. It just happened. And yeah. so they haven't yet heard back from the distributor at what happened. Um, so they weren't sounding a flag yet they were still following due process um and uh and so they they found that these radios were coming from japan and they're being unloaded at the bayport docks they come in by ship and so uh the boys are starting to wonder could some of these dock hands some of these shantytown workers yeah have a hand in this um and so uh it ends with them deciding they're gonna go to shantytown so they the brothers hurried home and put on their beachcomber clothes. Classic. Then they uh, they hopped on the motorcycles, drove out there, walked the rest of the way, Joe said. Uh, we better walk the rest of the way and act as casual as possible. <laughs> Just like beachcombers. Yeah, in which they reenact uh, the entire opening sequence of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> And this is where the theme music plays. <laughs> Obviously. Um, Please make that joke funny. It's not even a joke. It's just a poor attempt. So they get there and they see that uh, Sutton's shack was empty. The door was padlocked. Um, and they're looking at a trash heap. And suddenly, Joe darted to a trash heap in which <laughs> something glinted in the sunlight. What could that be? Well, I thought... This is not acting as casual as possible if you sprint <laughs> into a trash pile that's going to attract They're some They're in shantytown. It makes sense. That's what these people do, Sean. They live in the trash. This is as jarring as a friend of mine was walking in the woods and this goat just sprinted past him and dove down this hole. That's suspicious. You're yeah. going to remember that. Yeah. And here's, here's Joe doing the same thing. <laughs> what did you find? Frank called. And ran forward to look, but all casual-like. Pop bottles, Joe exulted, holding one aloft. Fizzle soda. The amount of... uh, That's the last line of the chapter. Yeah, that's our cliffhanger. And what a cliffhanger. The amount of time... Or uh, of, of... Of... Reasoning that they have that fizzle soda is such a key to this... Is so thin. Yeah. Like this is a this yeah. is a mass distributed beverage. It's a soda. <laughs> it's more than one person drinks it. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep making it. Yeah. And so, like that would be like us walking along and like seeing a Bud Light can <laughs> on the street in St. Louis and being like, oh, David, <laughs> this must be our friend that drinks Bud Light. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, no. What I love about it is they have two friends that are possibly kidnapped and in harm, and they are obsessing about fizzle soda. Yeah. Meanwhile, their friends who are captors haven't had a drink of water in a week. Yeah. <laughs> and they're sitting here you gluing fizzle, fizzle bottles back soda? together. <laughs> I'd like to imagine that when they found the, the, sh- the broken bottle, it was just broken in two. Yeah. And it still said fizzle soda very clearly, but they had to putty it together first before they get, oh, it's a soda bottle. Yeah. That says fizzle. I hope that this like entire book ends with them fighting Sutton. And, you know, Sutton's got the upper hand. And then all of a sudden they look over and Sutton's got this six pack of fizzle and like, and Joe is like being strangled or something like that. And Frank grabs one and throws it to Joe. And Joe just says some catchy one-liner that smashes the fizzle soda over his head. Yeah. yeah. And then and then Sutton reels back and he's like, hey, what the hell? <laughs> when we get. When we get to, to chapter, chapter 12. 12. <laughs> <laughs> 